0: Morning. How's everyone? Hope everybody had a great Christmas. You can tell me about, about your presents after the service. We'll have a, maybe have a contest who got the best toy. See a couple of young ones in here. I didn't get any toys this year. I asked for a belt and my wife actually bought me what I wanted. I'm super excited. <laughs> um, as Teresa said, I, I'm Jason Wilson. I, I am the pastor of what is called Center Life Church of the Nazarene. We have yet to launch. We will be in Strongsville. We currently have a Parma address because that's where we currently live. So it's kind of fun. The address has already changed once. And probably, according to people in the books I've read, it'll change two or three more times over the course of the church's life. Uh, we're planning in Strongsville. People say, I've been asked, why Strongsville? I don't know. My fun response is, well, Wendell just asked me and I said, let's go. I've never planted a church. I have no idea what that entails. but..." I, you know, I'd rather do something for the Lord and you know, and fail gloriously than sit around and wonder what would have happened if I had actually stepped out on faith and tried something new. But Strongsville, Strongsville has approximately 45,000 people in the city limits. And of those numbers, 40, roughly 40%, which I think is right around. Oh, I lost my numbers. There it goes. I don't know. We'll call it 20,000 people don't have a church affiliation. So, joined the ministerial association of Strongsville. Uh, there's a couple of churches who haven't, but so of all the churches there, the, there's still 20,000 people that need to, need to be reached one way or the other. Maybe they have had church experience in the past and had a bad experience. Maybe they've never attended church. So the, the harvest is ripe in Strongsville and all of Cuyahoga County as we continue to move and push back into the city limits of, of Cleveland. Uh, this morning, real quick before we get started, I'd ask if you could just pray for us and with us as as we begin our start. Um, I wrote some stuff down because I, I find that if I don't write it down, I will ramble for hours, and you don't want that. That's a joke. It's okay to laugh. It's fun. Um, pray for launch team members. We, we we have a small launch team of five right now. Uh, as we continue to grow, I would like, my hope is that launch team gets up, gets up to about twenty twenty five people between now and October because. Uh, you know, many hands make light work. Um, worship leader if you know somebody in the area that has needs a volunteer basis, because this is a bivocational plant, so we will all be working outside of the church while we plant a church. If somebody you know, hey, I know somebody in Strongsville that you know, contact me later. And also, as we look for a ministry center in the midst of COVID, uh, I, I'm kind of weird, I'll let you know that now. This is the church, I call it a ministry center. But we are the church inside the ministry center. So that's, when I mean ministry center, it's also synonymous with church. So pray for those things. Pray, pray for my wife because this is going to be a crazy time, and I'm a crazy guy, so she'll need extra strength. So that's the, I speak in tongues sometimes. It's inaudible, so it doesn't count. Yeah, She'll need strength as we go on because I, I'm a little bit on the crazy side. So this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 25. But as you're going there and finding it, uh, you know, if you have your electronic device, have your Bible. I just want to ask you a question real quick this morning, maybe two questions. Have you ever witnessed something of significance? I was there for the birth of my children. I saw it from behind a curtain because we had C-sections, and I was not about to look over that because I, I saw that when they held the babies up, that's as much as I wanted to see I'm just not, I'm squeamish. I'll tell you that right now. I'm sure there's other people may have also witnessed the birth of their children. But how, how about this? Have you ever witnessed something of significance and then had to go give an account of it? You know, maybe to a police officer in court. Those are the fun ones, right? Because the birth of my children, I can remember both of them. I remember exactly the first part of their body I saw was their little rear ends because they grabbed them by the legs, pulled them out. And me behind the curtain, that's about as much as I could see. I have witnessed car accidents. I have stopped. I've waited to give my statement to police. And I've learned over time you keep a notepad in your car because what you see and the time it takes for the police to get there, your mind starts to go, what did I really see? And to give an account. I've been in a deposition before. Those are so much fun. If you've never been in a deposition, let me go ahead and tell you now, volunteer next time you have something going on at work. and Someone needs to be deposed. Just pick me. Just kidding. They're not fun. Um. In real estate, I, I used to work for a real estate company, and we were bank wanted to come in and take our property, and we, went, we had a plan to come out, so I had to be deposed on how we are going to do that. A fun hour-and-a-half conversation with an attorney who just liked to ask some really weird questions in my mind. So, but my attorney practiced. He said, don't, don't ramble. I'm like, we're in trouble because I'm a rambler. Um, but it was fun. I, I figured out at least the guy that was deposing me would look at his notes, tilt his head back, Phrase the question the way he wanted to get it out. And I would simply say, I don't understand the question. Could you rephrase that? And he'd look back down his paper and ask me the question as it was written. And I'd answer that one. So fun. Those are the things. But this morning, I say that to try to bring us into the scripture. Because this morning, we're going to talk about Simeon and Anna, two witnesses to the Messiah that only make it into Luke's account of the birth story. And Luke is writing, and when Luke writes, he wants us to, it, he's writing in such a way that we may know the truth. And that's kind of fun in 2020 going on to 2021, the truth. I, I'm reading a book called Saving Truth. It's about, you know, being able to tell the truth about Jesus Christ in the post-truth era. And when I found this book, that was kind of weird to me. The post-truth era? This, it, but we live in a post-truth era. Um. You know, we, we, and I say we, the global, we, the, the royal, we have, have gone off the deep end some, somewhat by saying that because I say I am, I'm six foot tall or six foot six and 225 pounds does not necessarily make me that. But if I say that and believe it, then I'm six foot six and 225 pounds. But that's not true. I'm 5'8 and I weigh more than 225 pounds. So we'll leave it at that. So we may know the truth. We're going to read today Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25 through 38. And I left my reading glasses at home, so bear with me. I've got to find the right distance. Oh, no. My well, arms might not be long enough. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this was a righteous and devout. And, oops. and Sorry. Back up. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came in his spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and said, Blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that, thought, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of, and I'm, I am was taught in Bible class. When you don't know the name of the, you can't pronounce it, just pronounce it like you, because maybe there's some that know, some that won't. I'm going to call this Fenuel Phine- of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up, to the, coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for your word, which is truth. Father, bless this time we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, talk about, it won't be too long. And I say that again as I forgot my glasses and my technology sort of failed me this weekend. Looking for my tablet, couldn't find it. I don't have a printer at home. I hand wrote my notes. I might not be able to read them. It's all good. We'll have some fun. The um, first thing I want to think about here is, or give a little backstory. the verses before, this was when it was time for Jesus to be taken to the temple to do what was supposed to be done according to the law. So this is 40 days after Jesus' birth. If you want to go backwards, you can look in Leviticus. It's very clear that after a woman gives birth to a son, she's unclean for seven days. Then you wait 33 days and take him to the temple. Uh, For a daughter, it's it's still seven days, and it's 60-some-odd days for the girl. So Jesus is 40 days old. I don't. I, I get kind of. You know, as you think, he was in the he was in the desert for forty days. The the significance of numbers. I'm not really sure how significant that that may be, but a, as I was thinking about this week, you know, we hear the birth story. We the, the the shepherds come and all the things that happened in Jesus's life. The majority of things start happening when he's probably about two, when the wise men finally get there. You know, He's he's not newborn when the wise men get there, so. We get to see a, a glimpse into, and Luke goes on to tell a little bit more about it, his younger days, but at 40 days old, what is going on with Jesus? Right? The video. Christmas is pa- Christmas is gone. Now what? But we, we the Savior's still here. At, at this time, right? The angels came and the shepherds this, uh, sang and the shepherds came. The Messiah has entered the world and is 40 days old. And we, we're going to... Talk a little bit about that this morning. But there's, there's a remnant of believers. Now, real quick, if you think about it, Israel at the time had pretty much succumbed to the occupation of Rome and was secularized. They, they weren't thinking of you know, the things of God. I mean, it sounds a little familiar to today. I, I won't point too many fingers because when I do, there's three pointing back at me, and let's use knife hands. And I think knife hands are outlawed these days, so I'm not sure about that anymore. Um, but Simon and Anna are found nowhere else in Simon, Simeon, and Anna, nowhere else in Scripture, Luke chapter two. And um, we wonder why, though, it, it, the Messiah, Israel's been waiting for the Messiah. There's still Israelites waiting for the Messiah to come. And he came, and they missed it. The majority of people in Israel as Israel at the time, Jerusalem. Under the occupation of Rome, missed it, except for two Simeon and Anna. Two that we have recorded. I'm not going to say just two, but two that we know about. So, but why is that? Why, why would Israel have missed the Messiah? A, they're secularized. B, they have a long history of turning away from God for periods of time until the occupation is too much and they call out for God to deliver them. This goes back to after. We, we cross the Red Sea. We get in. We start wandering in the wilderness. And they send out the seven, and they go back. And two come back, say, "Let's go." And the other come back, say, "No, we can't take them. They're too large." And now they're cursed to wander the desert for forty years. It's just on and on. We we see the stories of the high times of Israel, the low times, you know, those kind of things. But as the ebbs and flow of Israel, they're they're kind of well, kind of A bad way to say it. Israel's pretty much a disobedient child most of the time. And I'm going to interject. I mean, here, it sounds a little bit familiar, right? You know, America, we were founded on Christian beliefs, you know, Judeo-Christian beliefs. But right now, if Christ were to have come two days ago, how many people would have missed the coming Messiah? And I'll go a step further. How many people who attend church regularly still would have missed the coming Messiah. Guys, I I look out and and met a couple of you this morning. I don't know you you from Adam, but I I know people. (laughs) I've been doing this a long time, and that makes me not an old man, but an older man. But there are times I look out and I wonder, where is the transformation that me as a minister and that us as Christians should be doing, and it's just not there? In America, I think, at least in the last two election cycles, it is becoming prevalent that we worship our political party. We worship our government. Government's going to fix my problem. Government will fix my problems. Again, I'm not the oldest, I'm not the wisest, but if I've learned anything in life, government's going to create more problems than they're going to fix. But, all right, off my soapbox, back to what's going on. Simeon, what's going on with Simeon? The Bible describes him as being devout and righteous. So there's still a remnant, people who are devout and righteous. He's waiting on the, the arrival of the Messiah. He believed the Messiah was going to come, and he believed that God had told him he would see the Messiah before he, his life on this earth ended. So he was anticipating. He was waiting for the day. And the, the best thing about this, and, and I, 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 I read this, and I reread it, and I reread it, it said that the Holy Spirit was on him. You know, we talk about dispensationalism. I love the big words of the church. We talk about when the, the dispensationalism is when the Holy Spirit was dispensed. You know, try to bring it back down a notch or when it was, the Spirit was given. So the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon all earth. So when we see that the Holy Spirit was upon somebody, it's pretty special. And here's Simeon. We don't know Simeon's age doesn't give us that, but we know that the Holy Spirit was on him. And it even says in scripture, on that day, he was led to the temple in the Spirit. So here is a devout man of God who is following the will of God and who's under the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we need lifelong Nazarenes here, we, we, we get the, the, the picture, right? The infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do sidebar, right? We, we still preach that, or at least I hope we do that the whole infilling of the Holy Spirit, this thing called entire sanctification, where we become, you know, infilled, not perfect, but the Spirit permeates. And through this permeation of the Spirit, we can hear and listen to God and be led. And here's Simeon, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, and on the day, 40 days after the birth of Christ, in a manger to Mary and Joseph, to where the angels came and sang, and shepherds came down and bowed low. Simeon is now You need to go to the temple today. And he went. And when he went, there was no pomp and circumstances, right? It's Mary and Joseph and the baby. They're doing what every other parents of newborns did in Israel. After 40 days, they come to offer their sacrifice. Two turtle doves, two pigeons, and they're there. And yet Simeon comes, and he took the baby out of their arms. New moms, older moms, when you had a newborn baby at 40 days old, if you, let's, put it in today's terms, you went to Walmart and some man comes up to you, you've never seen before and takes the baby from you and just lifts him up in his arms. What would you do? Or we even go, dads, dads, you there, what are you going to do? You're going to get a little defensive probably. But yet here's this man comes in the temple and just takes the baby and starts praising God and starts blessing. And he's now, I can die in peace. I have seen the Messiah. It's been 40 days. Jesus has not turned water into wine. He's not preached a sermon. He's not fed the 5,000. He's not cast out demons. He has not healed the sick. For 40 days, I'm assuming he is probably eating and sleeping. But Simeon, under the impression of the Holy Spirit, knows that he's there. And we'll look for Anna for a second. We have Simeon's words, but then we're going to turn to Anna. Here's some fun. This will step on some toes, probably maybe here, maybe not. But there's a prophetess named Anna. I, I love this. Anna is a woman, and she's a prophet. And there are some people. Oh, women have no church and leader, no no place in leadership in the church. I'm like, guys, there have been women prophets throughout the Old Testament. There's women prophet here. There's prophecies about in the last days. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And spoiler, we're in the last days. And this is later in my notes, and I'll say it again, but I'll say it now the end of the world will come in your lifetime, whether it's by the Lord's return or by your death. You're in the last days. Christ is coming. But so she's a prophet. She's advanced in years. We, we read, we don't, we're assuming in uh, all the commentaries I've read, because in the NIV, in the King James, the wording can get a little tricky. She was married, spent seven years with a husband, and then 84 years after that, or she's 84 years old. So, a lot of scholars believe that Anna was 84 years old. So, I, I did some looking. In Roman times, the average life expectancy was 50 years old after fact, factoring out infant mortality. If you put infant mortality back in, the average life expectancy was 25 years old. Averages and numbers are great. I'm an accountant by trade. This is fun side fact. So, at 84, she was, had lived 34 years above average life expectancy. She, didn't, she did not have an easy life. She was a widow. In ancient times, what did women have to do? They relied on their husband. And when the husband passed, they relied on the family. She was a widow in the temple courts. That's all we know about Anna. And she was there daily doing what? Praying and fasting. In the midst of Roman occupation, in the midst of Israel being secularized in the ways of the time, Anna was in the temple, hoping, praying, fasting. Now, what else could we say? I'm kind of wondering if maybe some people of the time sort of like snubbed her a little bit, right? Oh, Anna, she's just this old eccentric woman. Don't, Don't pay any attention to her. I don't know. Maybe she's a holy roller. You know, why... Why else are you going to stay in the temple all the time? And some people might, maybe she's too zealous for God. Guys, if anybody ever comes up to you and says that you're eccentric, you're a holy roller, or you're too zealous for God, just praise God, say thank you so much, and then pray that God will humble you a little bit more and go back at it. I, it it's fun. As I was reading this, going through this, I don't think there's such a thing as too zealous for God if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're <laughs> obeying God's will. And I think there are people who can be too zealous for other things that they attribute to God. But for us, as for believers, as we're thinking through this, you really can't be too zealous for God. And maybe, and here you go, I'm going to get in my soapbox again. Get your, put your shoes under the seat in front of you so don't step on your toes. But if, if we were maybe a little more zealous for God, a little less secularized, we would hear and interpret and understand what's going on and be able to go out and fulfill the greatest commandment. We were given the commandment, which is to do what? Go into the world and make disciples. All this from this 40-day-year-old, 40-day, yeah, 40-day-year-old baby. And, and finally this morning, we'll wrap it up. There's hope for today. In the midst of this, I look out and see masks, and I got my mask up here. There, there's still hope for the day. And I said earlier, that the, the hope is not going to come from the government Hope is not from Washington. Hope's not going to come from Columbus. You know, hope's not going to... I had a $20 bill, but apparently it got cashed. Um, Don't put your hope in this either, right? It's all fleeting. Woo! We can go to McDonald's for lunch, babe. Just kidding. But we, we put our hope. You know, if you think about it, I get it. Israel at the time of Roman occupation was not going through a pandemic but they were going through their own troubles. And we see Simeon and Anna were not panicking. They were not, oh, woe is me. They were devout and they were following the will of God, the voice of God, and they had hope that they would see the Messiah before their death and that hope was was revealed to them. And the best thing about this is the hope is still there. 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus came and was born in a manger. Hope didn't end there. Hope didn't stop at the birth. Hope didn't stop at 33 years of age approximately when Jesus was nailed to the cross to forgive my sins, to forgive your sins. Hope did not end there. There is still hope. And it's this hope for the Messiah. It's it's the hope that that gets us through the day. As as, as a believer, you you, you read things, what's going on with, with, with COVID and the different things that are happening outside the realm, outside. The view of, of our, our media's focus is COVID, 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 COVID. Depression, abuse, you know, you know, unemployment that's skyrocketing back up again. All these different things that are like the, the periphery that we're all, oh, we got to do something. You we got to wear your mask, wear your mask, wear your mask. What about your neighbor who hasn't been able to get out of their house for six months? We, we need people. We need each other. And there's hope for us. You know, we shouldn't be alarmed. There's going to be trouble in the, in the last days. I, I, I've read the book. I, I've read the last chapter. It gets worse. But knowing that it gets worse, it really gets better. Because through the worst, the better comes. And that, that is Jesus. He is coming again. There's no doubt in my mind about it. I, I talk to people, and I read things, and I, I kind of, at times, I'm like, I hope I am wrong and you're right that either God is really all loving and the fact that we're we we have this narrow view of it and I've lived a life that is pleasing what we call pleasing to God not self-centered but other-centered and that when we die that okay we're all there and whew, no one's going to hell but I I really I don't believe that I I really don't I I wish I could and I really hope and I try sometimes as I talk to those people that I really want to believe that you're right and I'm wrong and I'm just living up a higher moral standard. That's all I'm really doing this, on this earth. But it's not because I have this hope in Jesus Christ that this, that this is the truth. It's this weird thing. The, the word of God is truth. And Jesus said, the truth will set you free not your autonomy. Oh, that's a whole other sermon, another topic, but the truth will set you free because there's rules in, in freedom. We have some rules. Twenty twenty has been difficult. We've had pain, grief. There's depression. Twenty twenty one is what twenty seven. I don't know. Five days away. Six, five. This week, and we're all twenty twenty one is going to be better, guys. <laughs> lower your expectations a little bit. If we read our history, the the Spanish flu, the second year was worse than the first. So sort of like Henry the Eighth, you know, the second's the same as the first, but worse. But Can it really get any worse? Yes, can. But even if it gets worse, there's hope. There's hope because the Messiah has come. He came in a manger. Why did he come in a manger? Versus why did he come in kingship? Why did he just come down in adult form, in the the former image of God, and sit on his throne and come? What is more approachable? A manger in in the barn? or this magnificent being on a throne. Christ came in a manger so that all might come and bow down and worship. And you think about it, who were the first people to come worship the the baby Jesus? Shepherds. Guys, if being a shepherd back in the day was not the highest of jobs, it was actually the lowest. You know, if you didn't go around, oh, my son's a shepherd. And I was like, oh, my son's a shepherd. Um, those kind of things. But yet, who did the angels appear to first? Shepherds. And what did they do? They came and worshiped. And then they went out telling what they saw. We have this hope. God had came down, came down for you, and God came down for me. We'll see in Romans chapter six, and I'll read verses nine through 11. This hope, this hope is we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. This little baby at 40 days old came to do something greater than we, anything that we could ever do. And it gives us hope because death is not the end it's appointed for man wants to die the physical we're all going to die return to christ we're taking up the rapture there's people holding out i want to be taking the rapture i'm like i I want to be obedient to god this vessel will go but the spirit that lives within me will go on to bigger and better no matter how it gets there there's hope and i said before i this is where I meant to put it the first time. The world will end in your lifetime. But we have hope. We have hope. That's what the, the, the Christ life is all about, It's hope. And I think at times, and I, I'm soapboxing again, I should have got a box to actually stand on. Then I could be six or six. But we go out, we, I think we try to make things a little more difficult than it really needs to be. When, oh, what is this, 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 this Christ life? It, it's about sharing hope. It's about loving your neighbor. I mean, that's difficult sometimes. Some of the neighbors still haven't taken down their, like, Biden and Trump yard signs. It's like, guys, it's over. Let's move on to something else. And it's about unity. Oh, man. Right? And guys, let me tell you, it, it, it breaks my heart that the church of Jesus Christ, the church that we belong to, is, you know, it's, it's fractured. We are split down the middle along party lines, for lack of a better expression. It shouldn't be that way. we got to, inside the local church, we got to come back under unity. With inside our denomination, we need to come back into the unity. And within our brothers and sisters in Christ who believe that Jesus Christ came born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was dead and yet raised again. It's that unity that we can go back out and take our communities and take our, our cities and states and our nation. We can come back to God. But it all starts with the hope of Jesus. It seems hopeless at times. How do we do this? It, this is, I, I find hope in this. How do you plan a church in COVID where you can't meet except for six feet apart and have special dispensations? I love that word now. We're going to use it again, dispensations. But how many people can meet in a building or an area? And, I, oh, I could afford that place, but this county says only five people can meet in that size space. Like, oh, geez. Um, those kind of things. We have hope. I'm going to invite the, the praise team to come and, and prepare to close us in song. And as I do, I just want you to bow your heads with me a minute. And I just want you to think, and whether you're online or whether you're in the service, if you're searching for hope this morning, he has come. He came in the form of a baby. He lived the life. And it, he's here to give hope. No matter what your circumstance, you may be unemployed, you, you may be struggling with something, you have, you have decisions to make, and it all seems hopeless. But in that, just remember that Jesus Christ brings hope. And it's not some big, long list of things you have to do. It's simply acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and asking for forgiveness of your sins. And you can receive that hope as well. Father, this morning, as we close and get ready to sing our way out, Lord, I, I pray that that your message, that your thoughts and your hope has been preached here this morning. And Father, that if there are people searching for hope, people who need your love and your kindness and your forgiveness and the hope that you do deliver, that they would just reach out to you in a moment of what some might call utter utter chaos or you know just strangeness, but Lord, that we can just talk to you and that you would fill us with your spirit and fill us with your hope. And Lord, as those of us who have your hope, and we're, we ask for that refilling, Lord, again, that we'd go out and we'd spill it out to other people and just give them the hope that you have given us so that we can get through the end of 2020 and on into 2021. And whatever 2021 holds for us, we can face it with the hope that Jesus Christ is bigger and better and has made a way and has made a way for us to come back to God. In Jesus' name. Amen.